mean, by the way, the food, I, I just thought of this while I was reading this, um, you know, they had all things in common, right? Um, they were eating together, they were gathering together. This food was actually provided by not just one person, but multiple people, um, and uh, multiple people in the parish, right? So, you know, this idea of like, <clears throat> they're sharing their things with us because we're all a family and we're all kind of communally together. Um, and uh, we just, you know, Father Rich just celebrated Mass at five, um, you know, breaking the bread. Um, and then many of you guys came down here or arrived here after Mass. So um, it's, just, it's, it's awesome that even just 2,000 years later, some semblance of what they used to do is um, still kind of happening. So, yeah, it's, it's awesome. So uh, with that, um, let's welcome Father Rich. <laughs> All right. Good evening, everyone. So my name is Father Shannon Priest. For those of you who I haven't met formally, nice to meet you. Um, my story starts one cold winter's night in uh, upstate New York, Rochester. I was born in New York, um, in actually. And the story is actually quite boring from there up until about high school. So I'm going to skip. Uh, we moved back down here. I actually grew up. Down Old Key Mill Road that way um, at Nativity. <clears throat> if you drive down Old Key Mill Road, right after you pass Nativity Church um, on the right, there's a big hill. It goes whoosh, all the way down to the bottom really fast. And um, then there's a road that comes off of that. It's where my parents live. They still live there. So I am not that far away. I went to Cherry Run Elementary School, uh, Fairfax County Public Schools. Woo, <laughs> And I also went to uh, Lake Braddock. So apologies to all of you uh, who go to West Springfield or to any other uh, inferior institution of education. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but when I was at Lake Braddock, my thing was music. Like my, my, my big thing was music in high school. And I kind of went to church. And you might wonder, like, how do I get like this? Like, I was not hatched this way. Priests don't come from gods. They come from families and things like that. So there was obviously a transformation, uh, something that had to have happened to get me to be here talking to you tonight, uh, and that was God. Um, but it was a subtle process because, when, like I said, when I was in high school, I cared about one thing and one thing only, and that was music. And if you weren't involved in music, it really wasn't worth my time. Um, I was in the band and like that, and then I did lessons and that, and sports, eh, not really. I mean, I kind of did exercise and like generally played baseball to kind of just do something, but it wasn't an interest I really had. <coughs> and when I got to the end of high school, I had a decision to make, because I wanted to go to college, um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to study. I was kind of generally good in all subjects, but not really like a you know stellar breakout star in any of them. Um, and I knew I wanted to be a musician, but I also knew that I didn't want to live in a box. And it's very easy to be a musician living in a box, especially when you play saxophone, because guess what? There's lots of people who play saxophone, and I might not be the best of them on any given day. So, you know, it's really hard to make a living. So I said, okay, what am I gonna do? At that point in time, I wasn't overtly like religious. I went to mass with my parents on Sunday because I thought my, my logical process was kind of like, okay, good people go to mass. I wanna be a good, or go to some form of like churchish religious worship. Um, I want to be a good person. That's what my family does. Cool. Mass. I served Mass. I had no idea 
really what was going I knew what to do like at this time I hand the priest the wine um, but I didn't really know like why or why I would do any of the stuff that we did at mass it was just again sort of something that I kind of did um, so faith really didn't enter into any of the equation when I was like choosing a college and so I said okay I want to find a music school but I'm also really good at science um, and you can make a living out of science so okay cool so I started to look at schools that had both a stellar music program and that I could also work towards a degree in science. And as I was applying, I <clears throat> went to all these different schools that have conservatory, which is just like a really advanced music school pairings with the university. So I was looking at Johns Hopkins and Peabody in Baltimore or uh, New England Conservatory and Tufts University in Boston. Uh, <coughs> and as I went around, I was actually drawn back to the place where I was born, Rochester which has the Eastman School of Music, which is a very good music school, and uh, the University of Rochester. They, you could do two degrees at once. I was like, okay, cool, neat, that satisfies both halves of the equation, I'm happy with that. Away I go. And it wasn't really until I got to college that my faith started to change and that my life started to change. And it really happens because of three big things. God used three big things um, to change my life. Forever, And I, did, I wasn't like, at the beginning, I wasn't like, oh, God is using these things to change my life. It was a gradual process uh, that slowly but surely happened. What were those things? Well, <clears throat> the first was that I had, for the first time in my life, I actually had friends who cared about me enough to tell me that they disagreed with me. Holy cow. That's a huge commitment. Like, for people to like you enough, not just to be like, hey, you're doing great, um, but to be like, hey, you're kind of phoning it in. Um, or like, hey, I disagree with you on that. That's huge to build those types of friendships where people challenge you. And the majority of my friends in this category for the first time ever weren't Catholic. Like Nativity, like St. Bernard, it's a big place. And like I grew up in sort of like generic Northern Virginia land where like religion didn't really make any difference. It was kind of like, okay, well, my Jewish friends celebrate Hanukkah. I celebrate Christmas. Folks over there celebrate, you know, whatever new feast that they have. Um, it's all sort of the same. And my friends who were Christian really challenged me. And they got up in my face <clears throat> and they said, well, you can't be Catholic. And I was like, why not? And they're like, well, because Catholicism is from the devil. And I was like, what? And they were like, no, you guys worship the Pope and angels and you're idolaters and you have this pagan sacrifice and like this whole laundry list of things. And I was like, at first I was kind of taken aback because they were like, reject the master, you know, profess your faith in Jesus and have you been saved and like all of these big questions. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought we were all on the same team, you know, like team generic belief in God, go, yay. And they were like, no, they were very explicit. Like there is such a thing as truth and that it mattered and that I needed to take this seriously. And so what happened? Well, I was stubborn. <laughs> and... I didn't give in, and I said, you know what, you're challenging me, I'm going to go the other direction. And so I actually started to read the Bible, not to like get to know Jesus, not to get to know God, but to win arguments. And I started to read the scriptures day in and day out to prove them wrong. So I went in, I dove into God's word looking for weapons, it's like, okay, well, what, you know, you're firing at me, I'm going to shoot a verse back at you. And it, it was pretty interesting. So we got into these big knockdown, dragout drag out fights. And through it all, 
I came to actually learn more about our Catholic faith. Like, what do we really believe and why does it matter? And so, like, I think God was using that, using my stubbornness, using my obstinance to slowly but surely bring me to a deeper faith. So that was thing one. Thing two was, so I went to a music school, and it can be pretty tricky sometimes at music school. Um, it was full of people who, they, they wouldn't call themselves that, but they're relativists. And if you don't know what a relativist is, don't worry about it. I didn't either until I got to college. It's people who basically say that there is no truth, which doesn't make any sense if you really stop and think about it for a single minute. And so they would come up to me and they'd be like, oh man, yeah, like, you know, like there is no truth. And like the scientist part of me was like, <laughs> is that true? And they're like, oh man, no, like, no, no, no. Like what you're getting at, man, is like, you just can't know, man. You just, you just can't know. And I was like, how do you know that? You know? They're like, no, you just can't be sure. You, you just can't be sure about anything, man. Like it's all out there. And I was like, you seem very sure about this. And like, around and around and around, we keep going. And like what I was butting up against in those conversations was like, no, there is such a thing as truth. There is such a thing as right and wrong. There is such a thing as like reality, and it matters. And like coming to know it changes how you see the world. And the neat thing about that was God was at work in that too, and like really pointing me towards like, okay, well that's clearly crazy. So what's the alternative? And it really drove me nuts because like the the good thing was God used the science to sort of guide me in this because I was able in the face of that to be like, okay, but like gravity. Gravity is like a thing, it's, it, it happens. Like, and they're like, yeah, well it could change tomorrow. And it's like, part of my mind was like, no. <laughs> I don't think you know how this works. And like, when I was talking to them, it, it, it was really funny because I kept thinking like, if you're right, everything I'm doing in college right now is not worth it. It's just not worth it. Why am I studying all these equations and all of these laws and studying anything? If it can all just magically, boop, you know, mushroom into something different tomorrow. Like, if I wake up and suddenly the law of gravity or, you know, the conservation of energy is like, God's like, okay, we'll see you, you know, like something different, then what's the point? Like, the, the whole edifice of human knowledge is built on the fact that certain things are true and certain things aren't. And so that God used that to slowly but surely push me in the direction of actually starting to think about the deep questions in life. And the third group of people... <clears throat> were actually the English majors. Apologies if anybody studying English here, an English major. Because I actually got more challenges about faith and science from English majors than I did about the scientists. Most of the science folk that I hung out with in the lab or in my science classes were actually Christians. Um, and if not Christians, some, a lot of them were Jewish. A lot of physicists are Jewish, too. Um, and they believed in God. But like the English majors would come after me with a vengeance, and they would be like, you can't believe in both God and science. Like, religion is fairy tales, and you need to just accept the truth of science, like the cold, hard scientific truth. And I was like, I don't think that actually works. Like, you can't prove the sci you know, that science is the only way to know things by science. Like, that's an assumption you have to take. And I said, you know, I think that, like, you, the two can actually go together. And what that forced me to do is actually start asking questions about what I was studying in relation to my faith. And the neat thing was, as I did that, slowly but surely, I began to discover all sorts of interesting stuff about what the church taught about science. 
which is rather interesting because science didn't just erupt. We tend to think of, when we think of history, we tend to think of this weird abridged version of history. So like you have, and you, you might have even seen this timeline in your history books, and it drives me nuts, by the way, because it's wrong. Um, but you have like the Romans, right? And like the Greeks and the Romans, and they like knew stuff and did some pretty cool stuff and organized like the world, right? And then like the Roman Empire falls, and then like nothing happens for like a thousand years. Is that like puzzle anybody and then suddenly after like a thousand years people are like oh we're going to start thinking again and like it just happens to happen like around the time of the printing press like it doesn't make any sense what happened for those thousands and then like people are like oh science and inquiry and thought and it, like it just comes out of nowhere it's like no it existed before that like Notre Dame Cathedral was built not by like magical fairies it was built by people who clearly knew a thing or two about stone and architecture and gravity and it was built surprise in the dark ages that what actually the truth was is that the whole framework that we take for science today was slowly gestating slowly being built up throughout the Middle Ages and the only reason it took off when it did was the fact of the printing press the fact that you could suddenly not have to kill a whole herd of sheep just to make a book anymore and like find a monk to write it all down by hand. You could do it with paper and you could do it very quickly. There's a reason everything kind of happened the way it did. <clears throat> and then I started to research more about like faith and science and the fact that like, well, I'll be damned. Like, why are all these asteroids named for like Catholic priests? And it's like, well, no, because the Vatican has an observatory. Like, the church has an observatory, and they do all the boring science work that you don't, that doesn't, like, bring in the funding because they don't need to worry about it. Um, a lot of astronomy, a lot of the early astronomers were Catholics. The guy who developed the, have you guys done uh, the biology of the peapod, like the, the, the tables, the hereditary tables? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's Gregor Mendel, right? And Gregor Mendel was an Augustinian friar. And, like, he didn't do that by accident. That was his work as like a monk. Like that was his job. It was like, Father Mendel, figure out the pea plants. Do it. And he was like, okay, sure. And like he did. And like, so the father of modern genetics is actually a Catholic priest. The guy who came up with the Big Bang Theory, Catholic priest. Like if the, the, actually the first woman to get a doctorate in computer science is a nun. Fact. Um, and as you go through it, you can see, like, no, this didn't come out of nowhere. The scientific method came out. It was always in communion with church. There have been some rocky roads. And, like, people bring up Galileo. But when you look at even that, it was, like, more of a political squabble than a scientific squabble. Um, it was more of the fact that the Pope threw a hissy fit that Galileo put him in his book that he didn't really like um, and therefore put Galileo under house arrest. Not the best moment in church history, but also not anti-science. Um, and so that challenged me, and God was at work slowly but surely, and my life started to change, and I started to go uh, in college to things like daily mass, uh, which was kind of, I didn't even know, like, they had mass every day. Um, like, I was completely out there. I would still go on Sunday, but then it was like, so I remember talking to the priest, and he probably thought I was nuts, because I was like, sir, you do, like, church every day? <laughs> and, like, I remember Father Antonarelli, great priest, about this tall. He looks kind of like Droopy, the cartoon character. <laughs> and he was just sort of like there, and he was just sort of looking at me. And he was like, yes. And like, like, who are you? Why do you want to know? Like, what's, what's going on? And I was like, can I come? And he's like, yes. <laughs> so I started to go to daily mass and go to confession every week. I didn't even realize that was a thing, that like you could go to confession like as often as you needed to. Um, 
<laughs> and Father Antonarelli really helped me to grow in my faith in that way. And it was really fantastic because my life started to take on a different direction. And it was a bit complicated because um, it was at that time that I started to really seriously consider, like, okay, what am I going to do with my life after college? And the thought sort of came to me just slowly but surely, what if you're called to be a priest? And I was like, no, 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 we're going to bury that one. That's not going to happen. I was really attracted to this one girl who was actually in the Protestant group. So, like, that was part of my interest in the Protestant group was, like, her specifically. And it was like, no, we're, we're, it's going to be great. We're going to get married. I'm going to, you know, win the Nobel Prize, you know, live in a floating house that I built for the brilliant scientist, and it'll be great. Um, and surprisingly, the more I kind of ran from that through the end of college, um, the more it seemed to sort of grow in my heart. And it was an interesting thing because I, I, I really tried to. I remember sending the email in my senior year of college to the vocation director, Father Vishista at the time, and like I was like shaking as I sent the email, like just like acknowledging the fact that I was remotely interested, possibly maybe someday in like considering the priesthood. Um, because I thought as soon as I clicked that email, like people would show up like in callers at my house and would be like, I'm so, <laughs> you're, you're a priest now. So, you know, like you sent the email, you said you were interested, you're in, you know, away you go. And like, I seriously was like, this is the end of my life. I send this email and I'm done forever. Um, I sent it and he was like, Father Bashista was like, well, come on in. And, you know, we'll have a talk and we'll see like what you think about the priesthood, why you might be interested. It was like no pressure. So I went in and I talked to him and I said, like, I didn't even have words to really describe. I'm like, it was like a caveman, basically. Me think I want to be priest. And he was like, why? And be like, priest good. Um, just not really a high-level conversation in terms of the faith. And so I was articulating that to him. And he was like, well, um, why don't you finish college and, um, you know, sort of take your time and see... Uh, what God calls you to, and you know, maybe the seminary is right for you, maybe it's not, but um, join the men's discernment group and see. So I did, and at the end of college, I was like, okay, I think I'll give it a try, and then I freaked out again. I was like, nope, not, not giving it a try. Uh, so I moved back down here to Northern Virginia, and I worked actually as a scientist um, at what was then SAIC, uh, what is now LIDOS, and I designed satellites for about three years. And during that time, I kind of ran and hid and did all of this sort of like, I, I, I got involved with the young adult community and I did, you know, I, I, I continued to date. I had a quartet that I played in with my saxophone and it was really neat. So on the week I would work and on the weekends, I was kind of like the nerdy Batman. So I had like two lives. Um, and so on the, I was the scientist by day and at night I would go to rehearsals and on weekends, um, our quartet would fly out to different cities and we'd play concerts. Um, and then we'd fly back in, and I, I didn't need sleep at that time, so I would just continue to go on my week. And that continued ultimately until about like two and a half years in. And I, would, I remember it was a Wednesday, and it was, no, it was like, because we had boring meeting Wednesday, um, which was not actually what we called it, but it, that was what it was. And so, so basically, I was out and resting for this boring meeting. I came back through the Fairfax County Parkway, and I'm not a morning person, so I was like, I'm gonna go daily mass at St. Raymond's. They have a, a, a nighttime daily mass. And I can't do this. I can't do another one of these like terrible, you know, excruciating like technical meetings for things that don't matter. Um, so I went into St. Raymond's, I'm like, okay, Lord, give me a sign. You know, like 
speak to me? What am I supposed to do with my life? And I'm there at Mass, and Father Gould comes out, who used to be the vocation director for the diocese. And the gospel reading for that day is the calling of the Twelve. And I'm like, fluke, fluke, of course, okay, so, you know, Jesus. And then the, Father Gould gets up and he gives this homily about how every young man should consider the call to being a priest. And, like, I'm the only one under the age of 70. <laughs> so it's like, he's like, how did you hear what I said? How every young man. Leaning over a little bit, a wink, you know. Um, and I was like, sure, of course he's going to give that homily. He used to be the vocation director, you know. He sees me there, sure, whatever, fluke. And I was like, fine, whatever. Um, and then I was like, just blowing it off, blowing it off, until I went up and got the communion. There was never music at daily mass because it's short. It only takes about like 20 to 30 minutes. It just goes by. And for whatever reason, the organist at St. Raymond showed up that night and went up and just started to noodle around after communion and started to play this piece by Bach. It's a Bach chorale called Alle Menschen müssen sterben, Every Man Must Die. And it was an epic moment for me because that was the piece that, when I was a senior in college, my quartet won all of these international competitions and the centerpiece of, like, of one of the big songs that we played was that chorale. Like you couldn't really tell, but that was like what it was all based off of, um, that Bach chorale. And it was like this moment where I'm like, uh, okay, you got me, I'll give it a try. And I went in and I went back to Father Bashista, like, remind you, like two years later, and I was like, I still think I'm called to be a priest. And, you know, like sad about it. And he was like, okay, well, um, what do you think we should do? And I'm like, well, and what he was waiting for was actually for me to ask for the application. Because he didn't want to, like, force anything on me. Like, there's a whole thing, like, nobody tries to shunt you into it. They wait for you to actually articulate, this is something I want. So I said, can I have an application? And he said, sure, yeah, here you go. Um, gave it to me, and I thought like, okay, then I fill out some paperwork and then I'm in the seminary. Wrong! Um, you actually have to do like a whole bunch of stuff, and um, like there's, also, it's harder to get into the seminary for the Diocese of Arlington to be a priest than it is to get a top secret clearance, fact. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting because we priests impact a lot of lives and they want to make sure that you're going to be a good person to do that which is nice um it's important but then like by the grace of god they accepted me to the seminary and i got sent to philly for two years um, i lived in philadelphia went to saint charles borromeo seminary for two years and i thought well that's it you know i'm on this conveyor belt till i'm a priest you know all. and the crazy thing was i was still dreading it as i went up there I was like, this is going to be terrible. Like, amidst all of God's providential work leading there, I was like, this is still a bad idea. This can't be for me. Um, I get there, and I'm like, something just clicked. Boom. I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I honestly thought that was where I was going to stay for the next six years as I prepared to be a priest and then get ordained and come back here. The next curveball that God really threw me was after two years there, I got a call from Bishop Laverde. And Bishop Laverde, who has a very distinctive voice, <laughs> he said, I have a question to ask you. And I was like, yes, Bishop. What He's like, would you consider going to Rome to study? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, and so they moved me over to Italy. And I spent the next five years, actually, over in Italy, in Rome, living in Rome, and studying uh, for theological preparation at the North American College over there. Um, which was like a, a great experience, but it was compl 
completely a bolt out of the blue. And after that, I mean, I never had, really from the moment I entered the seminary, it was different for all people. I never really had any doubts. Like the moment that I hit the door, it was like, oh, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, mm. you were right, God. Um, but other people, you know, kind of struggle with it throughout, and it's different for everyone. But, like, after I was ordained, they moved me to St. Agnes, and I was at St. Agnes for like the past two and change years, and now I'm happy to be here. But that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, I'm every moment of being a priest is actually, it's not always easy, it's not always happy, but every moment is like the best moment of my life because literally, it's it's a grace. Even a great confirmation retreat. Yeah. <laughs> the crazy thing is like, so even when you're exhausted, it's like I go to bed, I went to bed last night, I'm like, that matters, cool. Like, you know, if I celebrate just mass in a day, like I did something inf of infinite worth, and it's just, thanks be to God. Um, but the, and the other crazy thing is, as you can attest to, no two days are alike. Like, absolutely no two days are alike. And there, there's some consistency, but it's kind of like, it's an adventure. So yeah, if I have any advice to offer, say yes to God, um, uh, both generically in faith, but wherever he might call you, follow, follow because that's a beautiful adventure. At least it was for me. So thank you. Woo!